0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Les Bubka and this is Accidental Podcast or something like that. My today's guests are Robert Davies, Andrew Keat and Brian Bates. Creators of Punkai Bastards. Website where you can find all aspects of practical martial arts, in particular Karate. Uh, it was great fun talking to them, they are all open, honest and don't hold them back. I really, really enjoyed talking to them. We covered mental health aspects of Karate, uh, physical aspects of Karate, methodology of teaching, uh, changes uh, done to their way of teaching and uh, training. Uh, we covered as well, martial arts as religion, so following only one person and being blind to everything else, which is quite uh, apparent and common in martial arts, and not only martial arts. Uh, was super fun, uh, this episode is quite long, so uh, it's two hours, our conversation was so good that it took us over two hours, I decided to make two parts of it. Um, This is the first part. Next week should be the second part. I hope you will enjoy it. Um, Without further ado, uh, let's listen to it. Um, Hi, welcome. I'm Les Bubka and you're listening to an accidental podcast or something like that. My guests today are three bastards. But not any bastards. Bunkai bastards. So, Rob Davies, Andy Kidd and Brian Bates. How are you guys?
2: Yeah, we're fine, thank you. Oh, good, yeah, 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 yeah very good. You to take notes again. straight away yeah. that I was <laughs> answering for all three of us.
1: <laughs> well, there's only one leader, isn't it? Yeah, we Not
2: haven't cool. decided who that is yet, like
1: We're <laughs> looking for someone. Uh-huh. Um, can we start with the. I think uh, Robert is the most uh, advanced from us. Uh, Robert, can you start with the introduction <laughs> and tell us <laughs> Most advanced. Something about you?
2: Most advanced meaning, presumably, the one who's lived longest so far. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's good enough. In any given crowd, that that does me fine. So, I'm Bob Davis. I am one of the Bunkai bastards, probably the least bastard of the three, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, 62 years of age, at time of recording. I first walked into Dojo in 1975. I lasted about a month because the guy running the beginner's session was a complete dickhead. And even at the age of 15, I could spot that. I thought that's not for me. So I gave it a break for a while, went back in 1978 training with Paul Perry, Jinsei Kai up in Watford. And I trained there for a while, did my first couple of gradings under Asano until I dislocated my knee in a training session. And then tried to go back to training too soon afterwards and and hurt it again. Uh, And then life caught up with me, wife, family, all those things. So I had a break of 20 years from that point and went back to training in classical shotokan in 1999. Uh, And I came up through the ranks doing the standard stuff. Um, I always had an interest in the more practical side. I was always aware of what I was doing and it was an art and a classical side rather than practical self-defense. And I sort of went outside to various places to get my fixes on that. I first really got introduced through a guy by the name of Jeff Nash, who is now no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, Intervening times, I did a bit of Japanese jiu-jitsu back in the late 1990s. I did a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu about five or six years ago not to any large extent for evil, from just enough to give me a grounding in something outside of what i was doing Uh, i went independent from my group maybe five six years ago now and i've been doing my own thing ever since then really uh that's me in a nutshell i'm still doing my own thing (laughs) i'm just not sure what my thing is and i don't think anybody else is that's a big nutshell bob we've only got two hours for christ's sake (laughs) (laughs) well your chance to make up time now then
3: Andy. Yeah, Is go it, on, Andy. It's all right hi, I'm Andy. Oh, you want some more right okay sorry. <laughs> um, So I started off doing uh, Laogar with a friend of a friend who taught Laogar. Um, we decided to open a karate club, so we found an instructor and that was quite interesting. <clears throat> uh, he used to take us to the pub afterwards and where. Uh, a small coat over his gi, so he'd walk in with his black belt hanging out the bottom of his uh, bottom of his coat into one of the rougher pubs in Swindon. Um, (laughs) that was my first instructor. Um, and all the way through karate that I've done, I've always been looking at it going, this doesn't seem quite right, it doesn't seem practical. So I started inviting instructors to do seminars in Swindon. I invited, he must not be named, I invited Vince Morris, um, Phil came down to do uh, I went and trained with pretty much anyone I could. Changed affiliations because I had a bit of an argument with the chief instructor. He didn't like what I was doing. Um, went to another place. Uh, went to the TSK with Pete Manning. He was really helpful. Uh, but then again, I still wanted to do something slightly different to him, so I left there, and. Joined the BCA mainly because I could be independent and do what I like then, really, to be honest. Um, met Ian Abernathy <clears throat> one of his early, early seminars and then I thought, oh, that looks good. Invited him to Swindon and been doing that sort of thing ever since. Played with a bit of Judo, a bit of Aikido, Kubo Western sword fighting. I'll do anything for a bit of a laugh. And, I don't think i'd be doing karate still now if i hadn't changed how i do it so my main driver is um self-protection based karate should we say and we can get into a big argument about what self-protection what karate is later but yeah that's where i am now really excellent
1: you actually probably don't remember but we met on one of your seminars with ian
3: you came up from guildford because my daughter was living in guildford at the time and that's why I remember. Yeah, there's about six of you, if I remember rightly.
1: Yeah, hey, well, I was just hanging on with the club who expelled me later, but hey ho. But I marry one. I marry, marry one of the students, so it's all right. <laughs> that's fine. <why. laughs> okay, Brian. Sorry, I don't okay. have a cake. Cake, but uh, you can. Uh.
0: That's okay. Yeah, I've, I've got my tea. I just don't have any, any cake. So, um, yeah. So I'm Brian, uh, I'm 47 at the moment. So at time of recording, uh, I started karate, <laughs> thanks, started karate at the age of nine. Um, it, was, it was a traditional show at Camp Karate Club. Um, kind of did it for a, a few years, gave it up in my early teenage years, did all the things you do as a teenager, um, and then took it up again seriously at the age of 19. Um, been doing it ever since, <laughs> so from the age of 19 to now. Um, in between, I've done dabbled in other bits and bobs. So I've done some judo. Um, a few years ago, it's so about eight years ago, quite seriously took up Aikido and Aiki jiu Jitsu. So it's all within the same club, just to get a better grounding of um, throwing and locks and things like that. Um, probably around the same time, maybe maybe a bit longer. But obviously, I've known Bob for quite a while because I'm married <laughs> to his niece. So, so yeah, so Bob's my wife's uncle. Or Bob's my uncle, maybe. Yes. I guess that's <laughs> the way it uncle. goes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's not yours. Um, so, so <laughs> um, yeah, so through Bob, I've, I've met some dodgy people like Andy as well. So, um, yeah, we, we both kind of had an interest in um, the, the more practical side of karate. And I think he, he started looking outside the, the sort of areas that we were training in at the time um came across some shady characters yeah so started doing things like that um for about a year and a half now i've been training urban combatants as well which is quite interesting so funny (laughs) enough i see a lot i do see a lot of crossovers with that and karate to be fair the the biggest difference i think is their their mindset and their attitude so you know so i think the movements aren't too different really but it's it's the, the way they train things um so yeah yeah that's that's pretty much it um I'd say, yeah, I could jiu jitsu, karate, judo, um, applied karate. I love it. <laughs> that's it.
1: So, everybody's got some influences from outside. I think the cross training is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I always start with the, well, not always start, but always put the, that question somewhere within the interview because that's what I mainly do. Um, could you tell me, guys, what impact karate had on your mental health? Positive, negative, or you, you don't think about
2: it, okay? Rob? Oh, <laughs> 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 I'm being cued in there. It's an interesting one, that. Uh, because when I, first, or when I first started training, when I went back to training in 99, uh, one of the things that appealed to me about Classical 3 case Karate was the ability to go in there and switch off.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so rather than the pressure of work and the pressure of running a family and these sort of things, It was a bit of a refuge in as much as I could go in there and just line up with everybody else. My son trained with me at the same time, which was a different thing. Uh, But it meant I didn't have to take any responsibility for anything for an hour and a half of an evening. Mm -hmm. I could just go in, work physically really hard, not have to think for myself, not have to take decisions for myself. And it was just a bit of a release that way. And it's that combination of switching the brain off and just working physically hard. Uh, And that worked really well for me as far as that's concerned. But that was for a while. And what happened then is the balance changed. The frustration of going to the dojo and doing the same thing time and again without it having meaning for me probably made me more frustrated than less when I started going training. So that's when I had to start going outside because I have this thing in my head that I need to understand the why behind everything Mm -hmm. i always have done. I'm an engineer by training and by profession, and I need to know how things work, why things work, take them apart, put them back together. And typically when I put them back together, there's a box of bits left over, which I consider that I didn't really need because it still works. (laughs) And that's pretty much the way I work with my karate as well. So yeah, it was a good thing for me initially, because as I say, it enabled me to, Take pressure out of my life and just do physical work without being responsible, but that only carried me so far. My nature mm. didn't allow me to stick with it past
1: that point i know I know how difficult I was laughing about engineering because my wife and my um, father-in-law are both engineers mm-hmm. so i know I know my life is very planned
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I'm not one of those engineers planning <laughs> no, not so much just just curiosity.
1: My, my wife is a systems engineer so i've got a ah, plan for yeah. everything and everything will goes wrong as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, let's jump other way brian
0: yeah so i'd say I, I similar to, to what baba said though is is when you go to the dojo you're just able to switch off and i think that's that's good so if you've got any stresses outside you know of the dojo you do forget them for that time you're in there and i, I, I i've I like this phrase of, of impact therapy. So, you know, I, I do like hitting things. So, um, if, if, if I, if I can't, so during lockdown, I've not been going to the dojo and not been hitting my mates and, and that. So I've spent a lot of time in the garage, just hitting, things. you know, I've got a punch bag up there. I've just recently got a speedball, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's it for me. And I think, and again, something Andy touched on earlier is it's, it's, it's got to be fun. So, and again, if you're not having fun while you're training, you probably carry those um, those issues with you because you, you, you you're not able to forget if you're not enjoying yourself and having fun. So yeah, I think the dojo is good for me. I say if I can hit things and have fun, you know, or I forget all my worries. <laughs> so that's that's it for me. I think.
3: Awesome. Um, Andy, so. Um... Much like Brian, I like hitting stuff, because it really does take a lot of stress out. Um, When I... I mean, I stopped karate for a while uh, when my daughter was born, my first daughter. And then I realised I needed something for myself, so I went back to karate, and it was sort of like a... It was some time I had on my own without worrying, because I was only young then, and having a young child, and all the other pressures of life, like having to work for a living and things like that, which are just terrible. Uh, and so, some time on my own was great, and it just gave me something I could do myself. I also think that anything that you do that's physically exhausting is good for your mental health. Mm. It tires you out, and you can't sit there just worrying. You, and you burn off all that adrenaline and all yeah. that worry, and you can get rid of it. Um, just because I happen to channel mine into karate, that's it. Probably works just as well for anyone doing other things. I mean, runners go on a long run when they're stressed. Um, I don't know what footballers do because. It's not a real sport, is it? Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) No. Rugby players have impact all the time. That's massively physical. But for me, I like hitting stuff just like Bri. Um, So I've got a punch bag in the garage, a speedball. I've got one of my sons who trains with me, so I get to hit him as well.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but it really just burns it off. And and the reason I can stay, I think, more calm and a lot of people at work who get really stressed about it is generally because I've got an outlet.
2: I think a point there, Andy, on the back of what you were saying there talking about, you can do any other thing, but for people like us and certainly for people like me, because I was the same all the way through school, I'm not a team person. I can't get involved in team activities where I'm reliant on other people and other people are reliant on me. And this is very much for me, a solo activity. Before that, I used to whitewater canoeing, uh, mountain biking, a lot of weight training in my teenage years and early 20s they were all things all physical outlets that i only had to depend on me and that, that worked well for me i don't fit well in teams it and i thing. don't know if that's a You're karate fine. thing or
3: just a me thing you've got to find your bag right? you've got to find what you enjoy because some people <laughs> blow off steam by having that team and then going to the mm-hmm. pub afterwards as a collective but yeah yeah i mean i'll
0: go boy. I was going to say, I think you've got it spot on though, Andy, as well, saying, um, you know, just because we like hitting things, like say runners go for a run, they, they, they put their headphones in and they're off, they forget about everything else that's going on in the world, don't that's they? That's right? so self-protection, could I just point it out? Is, it is terrible, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I've, other than karate, I have a, I've got guitars in the back, so, you know, that, that's another way for me to lose myself, I just mm. sit in the back room, you know, and just... just Strum away for an hour or two, and you, do, you don't even realise it's two hours gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if I if I don't you know, if, I, if I don't want to hit something, you know, there's, there's my other outlet is just just play the guitar. So I think yeah, it's, it's just having your thing, isn't it? And I think <laughs> particularly for us, I'd say it's mo- mostly karate. So, yeah,
1: mm. indeed. Um, so I've joined your um, very expensive website. Uh, it's, <laughs> extors- it's a rip off. Yeah, it is two pounds a month. It's a rip off. Less,
0: less than three. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, bunkai bastards which is focusing on the practical application of karate. I'd have to be honest, I have I don't have a clue what it is because I didn't have time to look at it yet. Courtesy <laughs> <laughs> of, <laughs> <Kertesi the> <laughs> of my children, uh it's no no rest. Um mm-hmm. then could you tell me what's the bunkai bastards all about? And for the people who are listening maybe they're going to be wanting to spend some money on you as well.
2: (laughs) This is going to be interesting, isn't it? Because we've probably got three different views here. That's awesome. Would you like to tell us what
3: The Bastards is about? Okay, so I think when we started it up, um, I think the thing that we've noticed, all probably individually and collectively, is that a lot of people will go into karate and they'll go, oh yeah, there's the shuhari model. And a lot of people get stuck in the shoe part, the starting part. And they're always looking to someone else to give them the answers. And at the end of the day, everyone should be finally getting to their own karate and being able to do all this stuff themselves. So you see a lot of people, I've had a lot of people that come to Ian Courses, they come to course I put on, they go, oh, I love the stuff you do, I love the stuff Ian does, I wish we could do it in our dojo. And you say, well, why don't you? Oh, uh, well, they won't let us, or I'm not sure how I do it. And you think, well, Look at what they're doing and start copying it. It's not that complicated, to be honest. Mm. Um, and we think everyone should be trying to go through the shuhari process. And so we decided to put. And we were talked about. I don't know when we talked about it. Actually, might be Brian's idea originally.
0: I think, but a good few years back now. It was, yeah, yeah. It was quite a while ago. I was going to look it up earlier, but can not be bothered. <laughs> be bothered. But that would have been planning, <laughs> wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been hard work. Yeah.
3: And so, the, right. so what, what we try and... One of the things we do in the Bunkai Basters we think is different to everyone else is we do peer review of bunkai. Uh-huh. So we set a task every month to two months, depending on the response to the previous task and what else people are working on. And we say, can you do a bit of bunkai from this kata or here's a problem, can you tell us how you resolve that? And so people look at it and we want them to send in videos and say, well, this is my idea for this or this is what we thought. And then we... Well, and then the group will review it. Everyone can look at it, play with it, try it, and then come back and say, well, this doesn't work for me because, or this is great because, or have you thought about this? And so everyone's meant to be thinking. Everyone's meant to join joined in. It is like proper peer review, scientific mm-hmm. peer review, rather than there's one guy at the top of the tree who says, yes, that's good, or no, that's bad.
2: And I think that's an important point to make is that the site is not a come to us and we'll show you our bunkai. It's not that sort of site, we're not doing that. So, so you tell
1: it, it, you're telling it, me that, that I'm paying you and I have to do the work. Exactly. That's a, that's a great model. <laughs> is, is that not the business model that
3: everybody wants? <laughs> yeah. One good example is, um, I've got a, uh, so Ian Appanathy came up with this concept for the start of uh, pinan showdown. Mm-hmm. And I put up something, I can't remember where it was, I said, oh, I don't do it like that, and I think it could be used this way. And someone came turned around, well, no, Ian's already shown us what it is. And they were totally close to anything else because Ian had told them. I mean, I've got great respect for Ian. Ian's a mate of mine. I've known him for a long time. Um, he's taught my dojo a lot. Um, he's a big, hairy, northern git, what can I say? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so... People need to stop being, everyone talks about being open-minded, but very few people are actually as open-minded as they think they are. Mm-hmm. That's what we want in the bunko Bastards.
0: One of the things about the peer review as well, what you were talking about earlier as well, Andy, is if, if, if for example, we were working on Hian Midan and lots of people put in the same idea, it, it's like you're all thinking along, you know, on, on, the, on the same path. So generally, if a lot of people are thinking the same thing, it's got to be a good idea, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. So... Unless you're all wrong, of course, but, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 that um, you know I think the peer review is important. You know, I think um, and being able to take it on the chin as long as nobody's a dick, <laughs> being being an idiot about it, um, constructive criticism. But yeah, I, I think it's finding that 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 common the 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 principles, common principles within the techniques. Yeah, and that's um,
2: another thing about
0: the approach,
2: isn't it? Because people, it's not like a public forum where somebody posts something. And lots of people pile in to say, oh, that would never work on the street or you're talking rubbish or this. You know, the mindset isn't that. So you learn to be open to constructive criticism because that's what you're exposed to there rather than being on defensive all the time. There's a lot of good stuff out there by a lot of people nobody's ever heard of. And they don't post it because I'm sure as you've seen yourself, the moment you put yourself out there in public, there's always somebody trying to tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, Nothing yeah. to offer in exchange for that, just to tell you why you're wrong. And so another, we, we wanted to put
3: a safe place for people to to do that and practice that. And that's not just. And again, we don't like people worrying about grades. So some of my yeah. best bunkai I've stolen off my students who are way below black belt. We mm. come up with really good stuff. And so in the group, we actually say, you know, just because someone's a black belt or a fifth down or a twenty-eighth down or whatever they may want to be, it doesn't mean that they're their idea is better than yours.
0: Or a Jupiter belt. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just come across a Jupiter belt. I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: yeah, but that's, I, I, a,
0: that's I, another level.
1: <laughs> I think that's the that's a huge problem. Which you, you Andy mentioned that the, the people treating martial arts as a religion in a way that when you subscribe to something, when you're supporting something. There is a you know head. Yeah. Ju- Uh, focusing on one thing like Ian Abernathy is a god and nobody else um, want to say, I'm not saying that Ian is that way because I know Ian very well as well Mm -hmm. and I know he's open minded and open for everything but about the followers, the followers are treating stuff like a cult. Uh, It doesn't matter who is, is it Jesse Enkamp or whatever branch you want, it's people are just blindly following and there's nothing else except that chosen person. I think that's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad yeah. you you guys are promoting a bit of a different ways, and uh, I will try you, to get on the website.
0: Yeah, I mean the other thing is, 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 is we're trying like to encourage people to question stuff as well, because that's mm-hmm. the other thing we we done we, don't, we don't have, had a little chat about that ourselves is um, mm-hmm. people are, are afraid to ask or question sensi, you know, because it's I suppose in the old days it, it wasn't the done thing, but in the group you know it's ask questions if you you know if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. We'll leave a blag our way through it or we'll give you a nice answer. <laughs> so. Well we'll do what any
2: decent sensei would do and make something up and just <laughs> you know people have to believe us because of who we are.
1: No, no, and, this, and this, Sorry carry on. Yeah no, go on go on go on you,
2: you see. I can say this is another sort of thing really about the public approach that you see is that we make a specific effort not to take ourselves seriously and not to take ourselves seriously publicly. Mm -hmm. So, again, people who talk to us feel completely comfortable to call us whatever they want to call (laughs) us and talk to us on whatever level they want to call us because that's just the way we project it. We're not trying to be the top of any tree.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, i to come back to that um, questions from students. I've got a really, really hard time. Because my dojo is mainly consistent of the people who came from somewhere else, so I have got mm-hmm. many black belts. I got only a few students who are my students from the, from point zero, um, and they really struggle with asking questions. You know, I can see that they don't understand or don't stop, and they will not ask. But I'm I'm happy I'm happy and lucky that I've got the two people, who are asking questions, and their questions are sometimes so silly, but it is bringing my attention to it that. I take things for granted. Things which I understand mm-hmm. is not necessarily understood by the students. Yeah. So all the questions are very important, isn't it? Mm.
3: Oh, always. And I think you've got. To, it takes time to get that. Um, I mean, I think all three of us have, in our dojos all have this same encouragement of questions. So in my one, I've got a really open class now, and people will ask questions and they will put things forward even when they're a much lower belt and they'll show stuff. I, that's the thing that I instill from people from day one. Cause I think one of the things you see in karate a lot, as we've said before is people won't question sensei mm. and they go, you are the God, you know what you're talking about. And instead of like most areas of life where they question it, well, look at Facebook. What do anyone know about anything? Everyone's an expert on everything. When it comes <laughs> to the karate dojo, no. They don't think they sort of put their common sense to the side and just do any old shit if Sensei tells them to. Mm. He's got a black belt on, and in a lot of dojos, it's not that hard to get a black belt. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Every three months, uh, you're turning up and you got it,
0: isn't it? So, so, just saying about uh, trying to get students to ask questions. Um, I think if you, if like what Andy says, it's from day one. It's quite easy, isn't it? But. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sort of think about uh, for for Les, um, I, I guess I just got got to ask them frequently. What, what what do they think about it? <laughs> I suppose sometimes people go, yeah yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but I, I think just trying to encourage them to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's...
3: I I mean I often get. I mean I haven't got a big dojo at all, um, and I think it's important you've got people to keep your feet on the ground. So the bunko bastards, there's three of us uh, in my club I've got two other senior instructors, James and Steve who if they don't think what I'm doing is right they will rip the piss out of me and won't be afraid at all to say it but for the students sometimes you'll go right we're working on this, you'll show them one idea you'll Go, go away, play with that, try some different stuff and mm. then bring them back to show other people and then they start getting used to presenting and then you'll say well why are you doing that and they have to explain it um, I even do that with the well, the older kids, because I teach kids and adults separately, just because mm-hmm. I can't teach them together. So even the older kids you are sometimes getting to try and explain what they're doing more. So they get used to talking in front of people and just just generally being able to say stuff without being ridiculed.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So one
1: day you sat three together and you decided we're creating a group. How did you come up with bunkai Bastards? Did you not think that it might be offensive to people putting people off or did yes. you want it that? Yeah, we're going to have a group and we don't want anybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of working like that to be fair. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it,
0: it, it
2: sort of, yeah, it's ended up that way. No, it was always a concern and it was thought through. Uh, you know, We didn't just go into it blindly, but it sort of acts as a bit of a filter really, as much as anything else. because. It, if you're looking at genuine self-protection and the things that happen on that side and the things you have to deal with, if you can't get past the name, then you're not going to get past any of the other things we do or dealing with us or dealing with genuine aggression. It's, And yeah, I understand that from the classical background and a respect point of view, a lot of people think we're just messing about.
0: Mm.
2: But But we did spend a lot of time discussing it. And it's closed a number of doors to us, you have to admit that. You know There are people who won't promote us and can't put us out on their stuff purely because it goes into so many people's inboxes and not everybody's happy uh, with, with that sort of use of the language. Um, it's at the tame end of the way we normally speak, I have to be <laughs> honest, as we'll probably find out as we get more comfortable and the interview goes on. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't just an off-the-cuff decision, although it did make us laugh.
3: It's I have to be honest with that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I have closed
3: some doors as you said, <laughs> but if people joined the group and we were called something else, they would probably soon leave again. So as Bob says, it's a, it's a, if you can't get past the first name, you won't get past actually meeting us or talking to us or reading anything we post anywhere, frankly.
1: <laughs> is, the, is the name having any more meaning to you? There's something behind it or is it just uh, you like the root word?
2: Uh, Well, it depends. I I mean, I could give you the martial arts bullshit version, or as I say, we originally came up with it on, on that path, but really, if you're looking at the bastard side, it also carries weight and holds water in the traditional or the accepted sense of the word. It's not just a rude word. We're none of us currently the sons of any particular father. Ah. so we, we're none of us part of a bigger family we're all top of our tree we have nobody that we we feed back to so effectively we're on that side as well we have cut ourselves off we have no parent
3: so well, i've also been asked loads of time i mean there's i've got a friend or we have a friend he's in the bastards himself who's who we call the waddo snob because he's very <laughs> waddo driven he's and he's very very good he knows all his stuff and he would say to me what's your lineage when i first I said I haven't really got one i'm a bit of a bastard really and we laughed about that and and it's the same thing i mean it's that uh, people who trace their lineage back mine sort of like well I've done a bit of this bit of that bit of the other and i brought it all together and, and i'm happy And i don't think having a official lineage necessarily makes you better than not
1: yeah yeah i, I don't have a much of a lineage either so i don't care about that i, I see what you say so you've basically done the English version of a uh, word running, yeah, without the master, without the father.
2: Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, this is just the English version, as you say. Yeah, 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 We're not trying to paint this picture of we belong to this big Japanese or Oriental family. So using the words for it seems a bit pretentious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Uh, I think. I think that's. Uh very good name. It's very catchy, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're going to bring a, a, all uh, good characters to, towards you. Um, <laughs> well, we don't have any of those. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, inside of a practical ca- karate, um, what's your uh, approach to it? So, um, are you doing lots of low uh, or just uh, functional stuff, just the bodily fighting, or is that Whole
3: concept of um, self-protection included. Hmm. Which not, the, the short answer is for me: read my book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got a book, Andy. I, I, didn't I know. knew you would have
2: to get a plug-in. You see, this is another thing about the concept of running a, a, a web group and getting people, other people, to do the work. It's much like Andy's second book in that respect. And as much as he had a book out, he put another book out, but he didn't write it.
1: Yeah, I just I, I just <laughs> finished re- I just finished reading that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah,
0: but sorry, yeah, um, we yeah, yeah, got off topic what there. Is, so is,
3: is, ah, that's uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> I think what we really want to do is karate for self protection. So, mm-hmm. but it's bringing everyone along with us because obviously The Bastards has got um, people of varying levels and some people are higher up understanding what that means than other people so some people are just getting into bunkai and they don't know all the other stuff um, all the soft skills which is is hard stuff to teach um, which is something I've actually been doing for our club in lockdown which has been really good we've been doing Instead of doing weekly, getting up and jumping around in front of the screen, we've been having weekly discussions about different topics. And well, I've given them homework, which they now hate me for. Well, This week, it's all about martial arts films this week. So, um, but yeah, so it's trying to get everyone on the same, to sort of start understanding different bits of it. And the easiest way and the thing that gets the most traction at the moment in The Bastards uh, for the peer review is bunkai to specific kata. So if we Mm. say, we want you to show us some bunkai from MP or Basai or Wonshu or whatever kata you want to call it, and then we get more response. Whereas if we put something out, (coughs) uh, what was that one we put, here's a situation, or we put a picture out. It's just a still picture, yeah, of me with Brian and a a guillotine. And people find that a lot harder because it's like, okay, this is not anything we normally do in class. We've got to really think about that. And then a lot of people go, well, I'm not sure. I'll sit back and wait. And so we're trying to get everyone to where they can contribute to anything you put out. and go, well, I could think about it, even if I'm not 100% sure. Because that's what we do. We're not 100% sure. We think about it. And then someone goes, yeah, but what about... So there was one um, interesting one where someone was doing the finger grab. Mm-hmm. In the chest, finger grab. And we mm-hmm. were sort of going, Yeah, I'm not sure if that's really practical, really, that would work. But one of our members used to be a prison guard, and he said, Actually, I used that in prison on a inmate who was going to attack me. And we we're like, Oh, okay, then. Well, that's that sort of proves the concept works. And he'd used yeah. it in real life on someone much bigger and stronger than him. And he's not a small lad himself, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I think
2: another thing to, to point out at this point is that. There's a difference between the concept of the bastards and what we as individuals teach in our clubs. So, you know, it says on my website that I teach Shotokan Karate, although that's perhaps getting a bit more variable now. Shotokan Karate with an emphasis on self-protection. So I still do basics. I still do the classic kata. I've dropped the pre-arranged kions, five-step, three-step, those sort of things. So it's only really the partner work that's different. If you came in from outside as a a karate practitioner into my class, you would probably recognise 90% of it as being Mm -hmm. karate. Uh, But then that extra 10% is really where we're trying to move people to and what we're doing in the group at large. So our assumption is that anybody that's in the group is already training karate somewhere at a certain level. Mm -hmm. So we can take that next step. But from the club point of view, yeah, I'm not running a a fight club. I haven't got people coming in and all we do is put the gear on, put the pads on and wail on each other. I am, Gion on teaching classical karate most of the time. Um, It's a slightly odd concept because I have, again, like Andy, I have a very small group, if anything, probably slightly smaller. And my youngest student currently is 52. I did have one who was 45 at one point, but... He trained Gojiru as well, and his club moved premises to change night, so he had to move on. And I have lesson plans. I do the normal karate thing, but what will happen is, we'll get so far in, we'll do our warm-ups, we'll run through our kata. I will say I'd like to work on such and such from this kata, and somebody will ask a question. And what I tend to do in that point is, oh, there's a question there. Well, we could do this, but I'm giving the answer. So, well, why don't we just work on it and see what happens? So that will become the lesson plan for the rest of the evening. We've done our karate stuff, somebody asks a question, and we work on that as a team rather than me as an instructor. All I bring to the party is 20 years more experience than the guys asking the question. But we work it together.
0: Mm. i say, as, as the bastards, though, um, what, what we try and teach... It's, it can be a bit different when we do seminars we, we kind of do have three different points of views as well don't yeah. we so we did uh, i think the last one I'm trying to think the last one we done might have been floors and walls so or, or, was the last one, okay, but one right. the proper formal right. seminar we did before
2: that
0: so, was so, the walls so and yeah we seminar. yeah we did uh walls and floors floors and walls um and we, we, we each of us have got different ideas on what we would be doing and, and andy's kind of well known for his chaos drills um so you know we, we we put all those ideas together at the end of that seminar as well, didn't we? And um, just mm-hmm. made a mental drill out of it, which uh, I say it's mental. It's, it's not that mad, but I think if you look at it, if you stepped off the mat and watched it, it looks crazy. Um, yeah. But when you're doing it, it's actually quite a safe, if you're doing it a, a safe drill in a safe environment. Um, that just looks a bit crazy. But I think, yeah, for our seminars, it is, it is just three different ideas approaching mm-hmm. a similar, a similar topic. Which yeah, is but good.
2: With an educated eye, though, if you step back, as you say, if somebody came into the room, they think it's just lots of guys fighting.
0: Mm.
2: But everything we do is karate skills applied.
0: So, principle based, isn't it? Yeah, the principles so, are there, okay.
2: the techniques are there. You go through something, you might link it to kato because people like to go to a seminar with a kato label attached to it. You do something like walls and floors, people get very confused. But most of the drills could be linked back to CATA. When anybody ever asked, oh, it comes from this, it comes from that. Anything I do, if anybody asks, it comes from techie. Not because it necessarily comes from techie, but I can make it come from techie if anybody asks. It's easy. (laughs) I can make it come from anything else as well. But, you know, people like it to be linked because, and this is a complete way out there off topic for the the question at the moment but people are learning karate back to front at the moment you know this is my thing so people are learning kata and now trying to reverse engineering them and shouldn't be working that way that's not an efficient way to learn karate but it's what people have got and they're trying to make sense of what they've spent time doing rather than learning something from the ground up so it's it's a bit of a strange balancing act
1: Hmm.
0: And that does bring me to uh, uh, go on brian you want to say something okay um yeah i was gonna say I, I i learned a lot of karate when i took up aikido and i Aiki jiu-jitsu so th- everything they do they don't do kata but not, not as, as such everything they do is partner drill straight away so as soon as we was partnered up doing things and i jitsu you know learning to throw i said like, oh that's that's cattle we're doing a lot and straight away i can see the kata in it and and yeah if i'd learned the moves first and then learn a, a way of practicing it afterwards on my own. It's, it's, it's different. like Bob saying, "We're kind of doing it back to front." I think. So, go on. Um, Sorry.
3: Go on. I think it's if you don't do that, people get confused, and you have to reteach them from the beginning again. Almost mm. the fact they can see it, and then it, it starts clicking, but uh, clicking in their head, and and then they can, and then hopefully they can start doing it themselves. Go. Well, if that looks like that, what about this? What's that for? Why do I do it? surely and then you can just play with it but mm. people so if you've done four or five years of farting around like that and you just go we well, may as well start again yeah. people won't do it whereas if no. you can link it like bob said to the catter then people go ah oh, right okay i see where i'm doing it now for people who are a bit further down the path like all of us which we go well we don't really care if it's an efficient fighting skill shown in a way that makes sense then it's perfectly valid and then usually you go, oh, hang on, it does look a bit like that kata as well. So I don't think I've ever done anything that doesn't look a bit like a kata generally.
1: Mm. And that's bringing me to another question. So we all experience different martial arts. Uh, and like Brian said, you changed. I changed my way of karate through wrestling. And coming to what Bob said, that teaching back to front, um, I had a lot of backlash on the community of the famous uh, Facebook uh, groups because (laughs) I I teach uh, application first or parallel with the kata. So from from lesson one, you are with a partner and we're doing mostly, for me, most of stuff is throwing because that's what I feel I I like and enjoy. Uh, And probably if I didn't start karate first, I would be a wrestler. I never go to karate, but my question is long way around. how did you change your teaching structure and syllabus? Uh, A, because of your influence from the different system styles or sports, and B, uh, to fit with that practical approach? Bob's, Rob said that um, he's doing that 15% or 20% on the end uh, of the applications, but rest is okay, uh, like traditional karate. How do you approach that? Um, how did you change and modify? You, the ways you teach? Mm. Anybody? Just We're jump shocked.
2: in. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, I'm reluctant to do it because I'll be accused of talking all the time. I'll
3: <laughs> go, okay. What the hell? Um, so, I started teaching 3Ks pretty much like everyone else in the known universe. And as I said, I kept bringing in different people. When I went, so I was in charge of the dojo. Um, and I got to the stage where I could write my own syllabus. It's become a standing joke that the syllabus is always changing. I think it's version 13.2 at the moment. Um, And just as you learn new stuff, you go right. Well, we need to add that in. Where do we put it? Me, Steve, and James have a chat about it, and it just keeps evolving um, as you learn new stuff or or you change your way you think. You think, oh, this is more efficient than that. Let's start doing it. So it it just keeps evolving and evolving. It's almost been static now for about two years, I think, which is probably the longest it's ever been static. Um, But yeah, we add in more and more and more. Not more and more. One of the first syllabus I had was so big, you come to it, you go grading, and that'll take hours and hours and hours. Now, I'll get into another bugbear. All these people went, oh, I did a black belt. It took me eight hours of visit. Are you like, no, it didn't. No one can... Train that hard for eight hours—it's impossible. You didn't do it. It's in your head. We can come <laughs> back to that later, maybe. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> okay. it was unbelievable. And then you go right. What are the core skills they need for each level? What yeah. is the learning they need to have done? So we've got um, <clears throat> we've got a, a quiz part for each grade, and up to brown belt. Then you've got essays after that. You've got books you're meant to read for the higher grades as well so you've got an understanding of different stuff um and then we do uh keon kata performance kata bunkai pad work grappling and throwing and sparring and sparring comes at all the different ranges you need to know different bits for different levels but if you try and put everything in it just gets too big mm. So I mean, obviously karate is primarily, for me, a striking art, so striking is the number one thing, and then all the other things add on from that. But to answer your question, yeah, it just comes from when new stuff comes in, we look at it and we see, does it fit into the syllabus? Is it useful? Does it, is it needed for practical purposes or is that sport orientated? If we need it, where do we put it? Where does it come in the learning? Um, and the same for Dan grades as well. So a lot of places, Dan grades, you get a first Dan, and then the second Dan is, learn another Kata. Third Dan yeah. is, do some more Kata and more sparring. But our Dan grades are very separate. They've all got a purpose in their own right. Which I can bore people with later, if you want, or not. <laughs> it's entirely up to you. Someone else could have a chat.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, the, the syllabus for me, I think, um, when I left 3Ks, but for me, the hardest thing, or oh, it, it wasn't overly difficult, but it was to drop the the, the the five step, three step, one step. Because at that point, I was then it was disassociating myself with traditional karate. Then I felt at the time, you know, I thought if I drop this, this isn't karate anymore. Um, but I, I having a feeling it wasn't practical at all. You know, it really didn't serve a great purpose. You know, teaching the student to step back five times is bad practice in my you know in my eyes. Um, you know, better off taking an angle or, or, or closing distance and going forwards yeah. um, so so yeah dropping that was the tough one initially but similar to to to, to Andy you know in our syllabus Jan um, showed to be the first kata. you know we'll do students need to demonstrate applications alongside so they don't learn bunkai later on as they get a higher belt they learn with the kata, a bit like you mentioned as well, Liz. so mm. so every kata they learn, they learn the lessons with the with the kata, mm. um, and you know, from from day one, students are hitting pads as well, um, and, and and we kind of sometimes we, we 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 graduate things as well. So when you first learn, obviously, if you're doing like um, agyuki, uh, people are listening to this, they're not going to see me doing an agyuki, <laughs> but I don't know if you're putting it out. On. <laughs> but if you're doing agyuki, you're learning to use two hands. So we do it from basic uh, wrist grabs and stuff initially, you know, because it's very low level and people can get comfortable with being at that range. Um, and then you can sort of progress that to, to lapel grabs, and you can progress it to, to haymakers. So you know, those even those basic blocks, you can do little progressions within within the, um, throughout the grades. So yeah, each same same as what Andy said. As you progress, you know, you, you go through throwing, you go through pad work, and Uh, My my syllabus is probably quite different to Andy's though, but there's similarities there with the progressions.
2: It comes down to the concepts rather than the content, doesn't it? Mm. You know, it's (laughs) because of what I've already said that I'm teaching what looks like classical karate. But I've also did a video, Donkey's Years Back, just for internal use, looking at Keon Kata. The very first lesson that the beginner comes in, we have a session, we learn how to step. So it's just stepping Actually, It's how which muscles to use, how to step. We'll add in barai, down block, and stepping punch, Oizuki. Those three things. So those are our basics for the very first lesson, and we carry on doing those past that point. And then we'll do Kion Kata, the first eight moves of, which is classic beginner's fare again. Uh, Kion Kata, some people know it, it's Takyoka Shodan. So we'll do that and up to that point it looks very much like a standard beginners karate class we then have although it's not realistic self-defense partner drills that go with that that involve getting in close clash of hands stripping and using the gananda right to drop getting offline using a drop step to punch through and it's very simple drills that look very straightforward very basic but there's a lot of concepts of applied karate in there right from day one. So if somebody comes in for their first lesson, they will learn as much as they would have learned in any karate class, but they will also gone away with a feeling that, okay, I've learned how to do this. I've put it together in this form and we've actually done something useful with it as well. I can see how that would help me in a, a real situation. Slightly artificial, but it would still work that way. So again, lesson one, day one, that starts to be incorporated. And that happens with all my catters. we go through. Anytime we're working a catter, we'll do the CATA performance, we'll look at the basics, and then we'll make a partner drill out of it. And I have some standard stuff. And then because of the relationship I've got with my guys, somebody will say, well, what happens if this, and then we'll do it. And I might find that somebody has got a better idea than mine. And then I'm like Andy or whatever, and I think, well, I'll steal that, and I'll use that, and that will now go in the syllabus, and that will be what we do. And it just develops that way. But, yeah, I think the point I was trying to make is that it's very much a case of lesson one, day one, you start to put those concepts in. So they're not new concepts that you learn later on. The feeling is that everything is linked from the very first lesson rather than being three different parts. They're just parts of one thing.
1: Um, you all said that you are independent. Uh, I also prefer to be independent, although under umbrella of uh, British Combat Association because they don't tell you to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they are happy with if you if you got a certain standard. For me, uh, being independent is you know I, I don't like politics. I've been involved in few. Uh, Top level organization politics, and they decided I don't want to be part of that. And they're like, I'm not the guy who wants to run anything except my own club. So um, I try to avoid all the power tripping and, you know, search for power and stuff like that. But I would like you to tell me why choosing being independent. Brian, started with Brian.
0: Um. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I kind of get fed up of being told what to do. Really, I'm a bit bit of a rebel. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think with my old organisation, um, I won't name any names. But when when I was with them, I could see things that I didn't agree with. Uh, and, and 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 when you start to like Bob was saying earlier, you start to ask questions. Why? Why? And to be fair, I've done three K's karate for a long time before I started asking those questions. You know, why are we doing this? Why? You know, would this really work? Um, so. I, I, I went independent sort of selfishly because I wanted to do my the, the karate that I was seeing elsewhere. And I, mm-hmm. I think Ian was, we, we mentioned him earlier, but he was a big influence in the early days for me. So when I started coming across his videos on YouTube and I attended a couple of seminars, um, I thought I want to be doing that, that type of karate. So the only way to, to do that was to become independent really. So there was no clubs around me teaching that type of karate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the only way. Um, so selfish reasons, really, you know. So, so I could do what I wanted to do, um, and and saying there wasn't a lot, any clubs around me that do that. I, there still isn't, you know. So I get visitors that drive forty minutes up to an hour to come train, you know. So it's, you're talking a two-hour round trip um, each week just to come and train, um, because I, although the practical or applied karate movement is growing it's not it's still not that big. I don't feel, um, I, I don't, you know, if, if people are driving 40 minutes to an hour to get to me, it, it can't be that big yet. So yeah, so I, I did it. And I'm also with a, a last, I think it was last year. I, I joined the BCK as well. Um, it was after, a. I I went, uh, with a, with a friend, Jan Drachman, we went up to the, um, BCK headquarters on a Thursday morning and did their Thursday morning session, which was a, Bastard. <laughs> so they they, they work you like a bitch. But I enjoyed it and had a real good chat with Peter Considine afterwards. He's a lovely bloke. And, you know, chatting with him, I just thought, this is where I want to be now. So I'd already been independent prior to that. So I, I think I started my class, my group, Zanshin, about five years ago. Um, but yeah, it was only, I was with another small, small group just for, for the insurance purposes. But yeah, joined the BCK, BCK last year. Because yeah, it just seemed the right place. It's not like a good home to be with. So, there you go, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, go
3: on. But um, before before I waffle on, um, if we talk about BCA, I always try and do this big shout out to Dawn, because I it's great. But Dawn is the best admin. It's amazing. You you write her an email, said, oh, can you do this? She goes, I'm really sorry. I might not be able to do that till tomorrow. And you're like, that's all right, you chill. (laughs) And then she'll write to me and say, have you done this yet? And it'll be like three months later. I go, oh God, no, sorry. And she'll be like, don't worry about it, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah. brilliant." The admin for the BCA, BCK is fantastic. Um, Right, so now I've given them a plug. (laughs) Um, I think the trouble is, much like Brian, there's a type of karate I want to do. Yeah, and no one's doing it exactly like I want it done or wasn't in association-wise. And so you end up going, well, if you're trying... So the last one, we have people who are training with us and they train their bunkai, their throws. And when it came to the gradings, they go down to the association grading and it'd be like, well, they don't need half the stuff you've done and some of the stuff you are doing is different. And so, what's the point really i mean it's nice to have other people to train with but they're coming back going well i didn't do well on my grading because of this and what so why are you teaching us that and then it becomes is it more about the grading or more about the training and mm-hmm. they were still more interested in the training and i want to do what i want to do so that's why i'm independent awesome.
1: <laughs>
3: robert
2: yeah well again i have to be completely honest and say this it's entirely for selfish reasons exactly the same thing i have very much my own ideas on what i want to do and how i want to do it Uh, and when i first went down that path i stuck very much to the classical training to a a point to make my stuff portable so anybody who came to me to learn karate if they then after doing a couple of gradings moved on to somewhere else they would know exactly what they were doing and going somewhere else Uh, and what happened from that point is nobody left, they all carried on doing what they're doing. So they never went anywhere else. So I was teaching them pointless stuff for portability that they were never gonna use by training with me. And it's interesting, again, talking about the gradings because this was one of the things. Guy, probably the only guy I've got who's come with me from the beginning all the way up at the moment, I think he's sixth cube, thereabouts, but, He'd set himself a target as a man who was coming up to his 50th birthday. I think this was his midlife crisis. He was going to go to karate. He was going to get a black belt in karate. Uh, It's now been, for work reasons and health reasons, various things going on and timings. Probably about 18 months since his last grading. He's well overdue for it and and well capable of doing it. And we've had this conversation. Well, we need to. And he's not bothered. He's, you know, the, the grade is just a thing that'll happen when it happens. This target he had, he still wants to be a black belt one day, but it's become the training that's important to him. And this is what's important to me. So I've dropped out of the system. I don't have anywhere to grade now. Uh, I'm a member of an umbrella organization, again, purely for insurance purposes. Mm. Other than that, they have no involvement with what I do. I don't take advantage of any of the other services because I know people. Anyway, if I want somebody to come in from outside and teach something specific or to look over something. And when I do student gradings, I have a black belt who joins me from outside, who I've trained with. Barry typically comes and sits in on on my gradings. So I've got outside eyes because it's very easy when you sit there by yourself week after week, day after day to think this is all fine. You need external eyes on something, even if it's only just to say. Have you spotted this? Have you spotted that? And you may have done, but you may not. So that sort of covers that side of it for me. And and if I want anything else, I can just go somewhere and turn up uh, and learn from whoever, wherever. So I don't have any interest. Personally, I only did the last grading for the sake of form. That was when I had my health issues. It was, okay. well, I could fill in the piece of paper and do that now. Well, I can't do anything else. Uh, When I'd originally started... Training. Uh, My target was to get to third dan, because for some reason in my head I had it. Well, that's the first serious grade, but one time you get to that stage, you're starting to know something, and that's what I'd set myself as as a target. Um, And that sort of drifted. I got there eventually because, again, by the time I'd done my first dan, said the training was the training, and the gradings just happened when they happened. and I don't have any intention of going any further, so I don't need to belong to anything, particularly.
1: I think that's that's very important, that what you mentioned, that uh, I do the same exactly, that bringing that somebody else from outside of your club, yeah. because we, we're all biased and uh, you know, there's your students yeah. and you see better um, them better than they usually are. So it's mm. nice to nice to have, uh, <laughs> or other way around, so yeah. nice to some, some, somebody. I can be very picky. Yeah, and and come some somebody else from the outside and tells you um, what to improve, what to do, and what mistakes you're doing as well. Yeah. And I've got as well a few few students who I have to force to uh, have grading or grading. I just uh, uh, how you call it award them a belt more of a PJJ style, so I don't have a grading mm-hmm. as such. But yeah, they're refusing. I have to throw the belts at them and say, "Come back tomorrow with this one. <laughs> 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 don't, don't come back without a belt." Congratulations, you've done it. You survived one hour of conversation with the Bastards. Thank you very much for your time and I hope that you'll be back to listen the second part of this conversation next week. Thank you very much and see you then.